Our scripture reading this morning is found in Psalms 67. I'll give you a couple seconds to get to it. Psalms 67. As I read it, just keep in mind our sort of our focus this morning on uh, related to missions, and uh, just kind of see how this verse relates to that. Psalms chapter 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Selah. That your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. Selah. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. As I mentioned earlier, we're honored and and, uh, very privileged to have Jonathan and Beth Todd here with us and their kids Miriam and Jonah. I'll share with you just a little bit about them and then uh, they'll come and share whatever they, whatever they have on their heart. Doors have opened for Jonathan and Beth Todd along with their children, Miriam and Jonah. These doors are to ministry in Brazil where they are walking alongside the Church of God in Brazil and connecting their passion for teaching with the ministry of the Church of God there. The Todd family lives in a town called Itaituba in the Amazon region of Brazil. This city is home to a Church of God seminary in which both Beth and Jonathan teach as part of the ministry to which they've been called. Jonathan grew up as a member of the Church of God, while Beth grew up in the United Methodist Church. They met at Asbury Theological Seminary, where they were studying to prepare for the mission field. Before seminary, Jonathan worked as a chemist in Jacksonville, Florida. Beth worked as an art teacher in Jasper, Georgia. Both had been called to spread God's word through teaching the Bible and theology. In addition to teaching future pastors and leaders, Jonathan assists in the ministry of the churches through his love of photography and technology. Beth builds relationships in Itatuba through her love of cooking and a deeply rooted sense of Southern hospitality. Miriam enjoys making new friends through play while Jonah charms everyone he meets. So we welcome y'all and please give them a hand as uh, they come to share with us. We kind, of, we kind of switch off a little bit. I'll, I'll start out with an introduction and then uh, we'll tag team and I'll probably take him out and he'll probably go take a nap somewhere. <laughs> so um, 
But anyway, I want to start off by saying thank you so much for your hospitality here. Carrie Mitchell has been fantastic, and we've just kind of taken over her house, <laughs> which we really appreciate. And we had dinner last night with Miss Carolyn, and that was, let me awesome. tell you, <laughs> that's some good cooking right there. That was so good. But thank you so much for, for inviting us, for having us here. And now I'm going to tell you uh, a greeting in Portuguese. So I'll start up by saying, Bom dia. And that is Portuguese for good morning. It's two words. It's B-O-M space D-I-A. So, bom dia. Hey, you're speaking Portuguese. Look at that. That's fantastic. But I'll, I'll give you the greetings from the churches in Brazil, and Jonathan can translate for me. So, bom dia. Tudo bem? Good morning. How are you? Can you hear him? Perfect. Estamos aqui para falar sobre as igrejas lá no Brazil. We are here to share or to speak about the churches there in Brazil. Eles amam vocês. They love y'all. E também oram para vocês. And they are praying for you. Uh, eles mandam abraços. They send hugs. Uh, eles lá no Brazil. Them, this translates poorly. Them there. <laughs> e nós aqui. And us here. Juntos. Together. Somos familia. We are family. And they really do believe that in Brazil, that the Church of God together, we are one big family. Amen. <laughs> through, through the grace of God. And so I'll start out a little bit talking about calling. Like how in the world did we end up in Brazil? Why did we do that? So I'm going to talk to our slide guys. If you can go to the first slide. Oh, almost. Okay, no worries. All right, so our first scripture is from the book of Matthew. This is chapter 28, near the end of the, end of the chapter, verses 16 through 18, I think. I can't remember exactly. This is the Great Commission. Now, the Great Commission is basically a fancy name for what Jesus commanded us to do. Um, at the end, oh, this is to keep, to keep our place. Because if, if we don't have our place, we're going to ramble all over the place. And you don't want that. You don't have time for that. Nobody does. There you go. <laughs> all right. There we go. 18 through 20. I was close. Verses 18 through 20, chapter 28. And uh, this is after Jesus has risen from the dead, but before he ascends into heaven. So he's talking to his disciples. Now, when we think of disciples, we think about, you know, the 12 guys back in the day. But I, I want to change your mind about that a little bit. Who in here loves Jesus? Raise your hand. Who in here wants to follow Jesus? Raise your hand. You are a disciple of Jesus. So he's talking to all of us. He's talking to you guys too. And this is what he says. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's a big charge. That's a big job to do. But God has equipped each and every one of us to be able to do that. I don't know how God has made you or what skills you have. You have a certain, you have a particular set of skills um, that God has given you. And you use those to just go and tell people about God's love. You can do that by baking a casserole. Praise God. You can do that through your hospitality. You can do that through the unintentional actions of how you treat other people, even when you have a bad morning and you didn't get your coffee and you're just annoyed with the world. 
You show God's love by how you behave to others. And that's how we tell people about Jesus. That's how we make disciples. We show them what God's love is through however he has made us, through our abilities, through our gifts. And Jonathan and I both feel like we have been given the ability to teach. And so we wanted to use that however God wanted us to use it. So we ended up in Brazil with that ability. Um, And our next, oh man, it locked me out. Oh, I got it. Yes. The next, the next verse that uh, we kind of use as kind of like our guiding verse is from Isaiah. And this is Isaiah chapter 6. Now, Isaiah is a prophet in the Old Testament. And in this chapter, he's having a vision. He sees God seated on the throne. The whole temple is full of his glory. And he's surrounded by angels. Now, when we think of angels, we think of like white robes, two wings, strumming a harp on a cloud. Those aren't the angels of the Bible. Angels in the Bible are scary. The first time, most of the time when you see an angel appear in scripture, the first thing that is said is, do not be afraid. These angels that are surrounding God have six wings. They're called seraphim. With two wings, they're flying. With two wings, they're covering their feet. And with two wings, they're covering their face. And they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of heaven's armies. Heaven and earth is full of his glory. Now Isaiah sees this. And he is overcome. He falls flat on his face. And he just says, woe is me. I, I, I can't deal with this. But God makes it right. If you want to know how, read the chapter, Isaiah chapter 6. And a little bit later, this is Isaiah hears a voice. He says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. That's pretty bold, you know. He sees his vision. He sees these angels surrounding God. And then he hears, who's going to go and tell about this? Who's going to go and tell the people about me? And Isaiah says, I'll do it. What boldness. And I think that's kind of the attitude that God just wants us to have. Just to say, all right, I'll go tell. Whatever, whatever way that looks like, send me. But the beauty of it is, when, when God sends you, he backs you up. The God of angels' armies, the God of those seraphim, you know, hosts and hosts of them, he's the one that sends you. He's the one that backs you up. He's the one that, su- that supplies your support. He opens the doors. He makes the way. So whatever you go up against, that's not going to stand because God makes the way. And God makes a way so that you can tell other people about his goodness, about the life that he brings, the love that he is. And so we want to tell you a little bit about how we've seen that in Brazil. So I'm going to switch off with Jonathan, and I'm going to take this noisy child out. And he's going to tell you more specifically about how it works. Tag. (laughs) We... We really started sharing in churches about the time our daughter was born. And we learned in like the first two weeks that if we stood up here with a kid, you would never hear us. Um, but if we didn't go with them to the nursery, especially our daughter, she didn't like going with different people. You can see that's changed. Uh, she's thrilled not to be listening to us this morning and have a nursery to go to. So Beth and I both met at Asbury Seminary. And we went to Asbury because we knew God was calling us into missions but knew that for me, a chemistry degree really doesn't prepare you for cross-cultural ministry. 
And for Beth, an art degree, an art education degree, kind of the same thing. And so we both knew we needed more training. And so we both end up at Asbury Seminary. We meet each other. Um, towards the end of my time at Asbury, we start dating. And then we got married just after I graduated. And she did one more year. To brag on her, Beth has two degrees from Asbury. She has a master's in biblical studies and one in intercultural studies. I just did one and barely survived it. Uh, She's a lot smarter than me. But getting ready to go to Asbury and through my time there, I was praying, Lord, I don't know where you're going to send me. I didn't have one specific place on my heart. I really kept feeling a tug towards Latin America and towards Spanish. I'd taken high school Spanish. I'd been in Ecuador quite a bit and thought, well, probably a Spanish-speaking country if I had to guess. We'll see what the Lord has in store for us. So we get married, and we contact Global Mission, now Global Strategy. Um, for those of you who have been in the church, I got a long time, the Mission Board. That's what I still usually call it. And we said, where is there an opening? Where is there a need? And they said, well, where do you want to go? And we said, oh, no, no, no. That's not how it works. We've been praying hard. We're not really sure. We think maybe Latin America. Tell us, tell us where there's needs. And we gave kind of a description of where we thought our strengths were, teaching education, discipleship, um, but not church planting, not being a pastor in a church on our own. We really felt called to working alongside the work of the local church, um, not directing the work of the local church. And they said, well, what about Itai Tuba Brazil? And we said, Itai what? Um, And they said, Itai Tuba. I said, you got to spell that. I don't even understand that. And I said, wait, what? First of all, they speak Portuguese, right? Oh, yeah. So Beth and I speak a little bit of Spanish. We don't know any Portuguese. They said, not a big deal. You can learn it. Um, and they were right, although they kind of undersold how hard it is, uh, at least for me. I was kind of surprised. And they said, let us tell you about Itai Tuba. And so Itai Tuba, for a very brief geography lesson, Brazil is roughly the size of the lower 48 United States. So Brazil is a massive country. It is the largest country in South America. Um, for a fun fact, Portuguese is the most spoken language in South America. It's just spoken in only one country. In Brazil, it's very tall north to south, and you have the southern part of Brazil, like Sao Paulo down. And we went to language school just outside Sao Paulo. But the region we serve in is the Amazon region. So if you think of a Brazilian map and you see that, um, that Amazon River that flows across Brazil east to west, or actually technically flows west to east, we live off of one of those tributaries called the Tapajos River. And along the Tapajos River are several small communities and then one that's become fairly large, and that's Itai Tuba. Now, 40 years ago, when the work of the Church of God started in Itai Tuba, Itai Tuba was literally, and this is no exaggeration, 40 years ago, Itai Tuba was three streets. Um, there was very little there. There were some houses, there were some huts, there were a couple of little stores, and that was it. But what Itai Tuba had is it had the Tapajos River, which is a major trading river that passed through it, and it had the Trans-Amazon Highway, and that is this majestic dirt road that runs east to west across the country. And so what you had is you had a major trading river and a major trading road that crossed each other. And so some of our Church of God pastors and missionaries started praying, Lord, you're calling us somewhere into the Amazon, but we don't know where. And so they kept praying and God kept directing them to Itai Tuba. And when I've talked to a couple of those initial leaders, they said, you know, we really didn't understand why God was calling us there, but we knew this is where God was directing us. And what they didn't know was a few years after the Church of God arrived in Itai Tuba, gold would be found in the Amazon, and Itai Tuba would become the busiest city in the Amazon for many years. 
Um, in fact, the busiest airport in the world for several years was Itaituba. Tiny little airport in the middle of the jungle saw three to 400 flights per day, all flying out into the gold mines in little single engine planes. Um, I've been in one of those little planes. I, I don't really care to repeat that experience. It seemed kind of dangerous to me. Um, but Itaituba is an isolated community, but it's a community where the Church of God is really growing and is really working. Um, they have a wide variety of ministries, they have a seminary, and they are an area where the Church of God has said, there's some things that aren't great about Brazilian culture, but the Church of God, and these are Brazilians, not Americans, have said, we can confront these bad things in our culture and we can try to change our community for the better. And that's what the Church of God is really trying to do in Itaituba. Has anybody heard of Carnival? Anybody know what Carnival? Have you ever seen the movie Rio with a little blue parrot? I guess, yeah. That, that movie really idealizes Carnival. It tells you the good of Carnival, but it doesn't really share the, the reality of Carnival, which is that Carnival is not really a Christian event. It has Christian roots, um, but it lost it many years ago. A good description of Carnival is it's sort of like Mardi Gras, but with less clothing and more alcohol. Um, and it's something that really is something churches try to avoid in Brazil. What happens is Carnival is not just in Rio de Janeiro, which is what we think about when we think of Carnival, but every small community across Brazil has a Carnival celebration. And what a lot of evangelical churches do, Church of God, Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, Assemblies of God, what they all do is during the time of Carnival is a time they have youth camp. And youth in Brazil is the range of 16 to 25, somewhere in that age range. And so what they do is they load up these youth and young adults, they haul them out of town for five days from a Saturday to a Wednesday, and they have youth camp. And that's a good way to deal with the problem of Carnival because it does have so much that's not Christian about it and so many negative influences on the community that most churches say, you know what, we're just going to remove our young adults from that and we're just going to shield them from the problem of Carnival. But when you do that, you have two problems. One of the problems we faced in Itaituba is that our camps kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we have a big facility, a big retreat center and campground that can house three to 400 youth, but they were at capacity every year and turning people away. So they said, well, this is a problem. Um, the other problem you have with Carnival, I mean, with this method, is what are your youth and young adults gonna do when they're not able to go to camp anymore? You haven't prepared them to deal with Carnival and all of these sinful things that happen in your community. You've just shielded it from them. And so what they did is they said, we can do better. We in Itaituba and the Church of God can do something that's an alternative to Carnival. And that's what they did. For one year in 2014, for four nights, they had worship services in one of the larger churches. They had about 300 people in attendance every night. They had a lot of singing. They had a lot of music. They had some fiery preaching. And then the fifth night on the riverfront, they set up a huge stage and a huge production and had a big concert. And it was pretty popular. About 2,000 people came to that last night. Out of those 2,000 people, about 200 were saved. And they said, well, all right, we might be onto something here. But they realized that they were already at capacity for the riverfront. So they said, well, the next year, maybe we need to do something different. One of the churches built a big covered pavilion that can house three to 5,000 people, depending on how much you cram in there. And so the next year they said, we're gonna do Desperate again, but we're going to do it better and we're going to do it bigger. So they mobilized those youth and young adults that weren't really involved in things during the year like that. They put them out in the streets the days leading up to it, giving out flyers and inviting people. They did radio ads in Brazil and in most of Latin America. You can rent these huge trucks 
with a many thousand watt speaker system. And you can drive through communities with this and announce that an event is coming or do commercials or play music. You can do almost anything. And personally, it's kind of obnoxious. I don't really like it. It's really loud and disruptive. But when you're advertising something for the church, it's really effective. So they rented two of them and said, we can do a parade. So they mobilized a couple hundred motorcycles and vehicles, and they drove through all of the neighborhoods in our city advertising this event. And our city has gotten pretty big. It used to be three streets. Now it's a population of about 120,000. So they said, we can't make them come to us, but we will take this to them and share what God is doing and invite people to Desperta. And then they said, well, we can use local bands in our church, but what if we brought in a really big band, a really big Christian name from somewhere else in Brazil and had them in our little community in the middle of the Amazon? So they did that. That year they had about 3,000 people and lives were transformed. And they said, we, we think we're onto something. So these six congregations said, how can we grow it more? And so the next idea was let's fill balloons at two in the morning. Let's fill 10,000 balloons. And let's hang them all over the community with messages about despair time, with messages that God loves you. God has a better plan for your life. You should meet God and let us tell you where it can happen. And so they did that. And they said, well, we also have this problem that after carnival each night, two or three in the morning, we have a lot of drunks that are just passed out drunk in the gutters, literally in the gutters. They have no way to get home. Most of them don't have vehicles. If they do have vehicles, thank the Lord they're not driving. Um, what can we do for them? So they said, well, we have some vans. Let's load up our vans with young adults and let's take them food and drink because they don't have any money left. They spend it all on alcohol and let's give them a ride home. So they would go pick up all these people that were asleep in the gutter and say, hey, God loves you. We want to show you that God loves you. Let's take you home where you're safe, where you won't be robbed, where you won't be assaulted, where you'll be safe. And so they loaded them up and took them. And a lot of those people then came to Desperta the next night and came and participated. They said, well... This is working pretty good. So they started bringing in bigger and bigger music names. They started bringing in more famous preachers from across um, the evangelical churches in Brazil. And today, in 2019, in our last Desperta, we had each night between four and 5,000 people. We had some nights, hundreds down at the altar, some to get saved, some to rededicate their lives to Christ, some of them saying, God wants to use me for some kind of ministry. I don't know what, but God wants to use me, and I'm here to declare my allegiance to God and that I will do what he says. And what's happened is we have seen a community transform through this. What we used to have was carnival with something that we kept our youth and young adults from. And instead, the church has said, let's mobilize them and let's use them to reach others, to reach people their age, to reach older people, and let's have them work in the community and let's see what we can change. What's happened is our despair has grown year after year after year until it's such a big event that our city no longer has a carnival celebration. In fact, the government has said there is no longer carnival in Itaituba. Yes, a few bars and a couple of clubs might have something, but we as the city of Itaituba no longer have carnival. We have Desperta, and you should go to the Church of God and see what God has to offer. And what we have seen is a community that is being transformed, where once everyone ran from carnival, where young people couldn't wait till they were old enough to go participate in carnival and go see the sinfulness of the world. They've learned that there's something better, that God has a plan for them. And that plan is not just with the Church of God, because we don't just work with the Church of God. We have Methodist, we have Presbyterian, we have Baptist. We have all of these other organizations that are gathering together saying, we want to share God's light with the community. And we can do that not by running from carnival, but giving someone a better opportunity 
and it's being transformed. Now, the Church of God sees that there is lots of needs in our community. One of the greatest needs we have in Brazil is that children are in school either morning or afternoon. And if someone's in school right now, or if you're a teacher, you're probably thinking that sounds pretty fantastic. Um, you only have a half-day school. But the problem is when you're not in school, where do you think those children go? They don't have anywhere. They might go home. They might be with a family member. But typically, every person in the family is trying to work. And so often, you'll have kids as young as three and four years old at home by themselves because there's no one to care for them. And so the Church of God some years ago said, we see this problem in our community, and we can meet it. So what they did is they founded something called BAME TV. And BAME TV is an after-school program that's morning and afternoon so that when children are not in school, they can be somewhere that is safe and somewhere that will care for them. And BAME TV really serves the poorest of the poor in our community. It is $1.25 a month to participate for the families because there's some sponsors in Germany that help defray the cost. Most of our families that are reached through BAME TV cannot afford that $1.25 a month. It is too much for them. And so those children just participate at no cost to them. It's a place where children get homework help, they get music and dance classes, and they get a meal because they might not have had one that day. They may have had a little bit of bread for breakfast and that's probably it. And so we feed them a very good meal of lunch or dinner. We give them shower facilities because they may not have a shower at home. And if you try to go to school without being showered and clean, the school will turn you away. And so they don't want children being turned away because of dirty uniforms or because they haven't had a shower. So we built shower facilities for that. And what we're seeing is these kids that really have very little chance of succeeding in school. They have no one to help them with their homework. They have no one to take care of them. They're being exposed to the drugs that are on the street and the crime that's on the street. They're being given a safe place where they can be cared for and they can be nurtured and they can be shown the love of Christ. And I've spent some time working with a media team interviewing a lot of the families that are met by BAME TV that have those needs met. And we asked them, I said, why, why do you send your kids to this? And they said, we know that the church of God loves our children and loves our community. And we know when they're there, we know they'll be safe and they'll be loved like they were one of your own. And so we want them to be met with that and we want them to see the love of God. What's happening is we are finding in Amazonia that people are coming to Christ faster than we know what to do with them. Our churches in Brazil are growing at a rate of about 30% per year, um, which is an incredible rate. Across Latin America, the average is about 20%. And so Brazil and Amazonia, the Church of God is growing at a faster rate than very, only a few places in the world are growing faster. And what we see is we see a lack of well-trained, well-prepared pastors. Many of our pastors pastor very far away from any other congregation. They may pastor in the interior, in a small, isolated community, they may pastor in a capital city. That capital city may be seven or 800 miles away from the next closest Church of God congregation. And so we realize when we're sending our pastors out into these remote areas that they need to be prepared and they need to be trained and they need to know that God is walking with them and that we are praying for them. And so about 20 years ago, Brazilians founded the Instituto Teológico Boateja, which translates to the Theological Institute Good Earth. It is one of three theological institutes of the Church of God across Brazil. And in Boateja is a place where our young men and women, and sometimes older men and women who say, God is calling me into ministry, can go and can spend four years preparing two nights a week by taking classes and doing internships in churches to be prepared to go out and minister into these communities. Because what we realize, both as missionaries for Beth and I, and what we realize in leadership in the Church of God in Brazil, 
is the solution is not just creating a handful of pastors at pastor churches, but forming and training young men and women who feel a call to ministry in a lot of different ways. The young men and women that we're training are going on to do things like run a medical clinic um, for the Church of God, to go run after school programs, to go found schools, to go do ministries that really are not being met by other groups of Christians in Brazil. And we rejoice for that. This coming July, we'll graduate eight students that will have finished their four-year program. I got the joy of teaching them this past fall, um, and I taught them just, well, in 2018, uh, I started the week before Jonah was born, which was probably not a great time to start teaching, if I, uh, lessons learned. And I got kind of the short straw out of the professors, because I was asked, Jonathan, what's your dominion, that's the word they used, over the book of Revelation? And I said, oh, I don't think anybody has dominion over Revelation. And they said, well, congratulations, we're going to say you do and you get to teach it in Portuguese. And I said, oh, I, I don't think my language is good enough for this. I don't think I'm prepared. I really think I need a few more years. And they said, God says you're going to do it. And we're telling you you're going to do it. So, okay. I'll, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I'll, I'll do what you ask. But it was a time that I got to sit and study the book of Revelation with these students. And what I discovered is a lot of them during their time in seminary had not had much time for self-directed Bible study. It was a skill they were lacking. And as a pastor or leader in a church, what do you need a strong skill in? Bible study. That's, that's half the job, folks. And so it was a time that we could spend eight weeks set aside to study a book of the Bible intensely and help direct them and help teach them how to study that well on their own and be prepared for when they're pastoring on their own. Beth taught her first class this past spring and she got to teach education. Uh, Christian education, which is, I think, the best course she could teach. Uh, She had 18 students for that. What we found is we we are planning to take in a new batch of students this spring uh, in 2020. And right now the number is about 40 young men and women that have said, God is calling me to be a pastor, or God is calling me to be a leader in my church and I need some more training. Or, and this is the exciting thing, having young men and women say, God is calling me to be a missionary in another country. Another country where Americans may not be able to go. But I know I need some training, and I know we can get that at the seminary. And so what we're seeing is these young men and women that are saying, God is transforming our community. God is calling us into ministry, and we are ready to go. And so how can you help? There's a few things. One is pray. We know and we firmly believe that nothing happens without prayer. Be praying for our pastors and leaders in Brazil. When I say that some of our pastors are 700 miles away from their closest family member, or from their closest other Church of God congregation. That's not an exaggeration. That's the reality our pastors live with. So pray for them as they're isolated. Some of them are communities that can only be accessed by boat a few days a week. And so they're isolated not only geographically, but even just through transportation. So pray for them. Pray for our seminary students. Our seminary students right now have a four-year program to complete. And that is a long program, and that's a long commitment Um, when you're working full-time, when you have a family. So pray for them that they will stay the course and that they will give their all into preparing for ministry. Pray for Beth and I and the kids as well. We are traveling on home assignment, and I think you all know what that is. That's that wonderful time when missionaries go visit churches, and it's awesome, but our poor kids have been in the car, I think, 12,000 miles so far, which is actually not bad. We've we've done less travel than most missionaries. Um, And specifically, I'll ask you to pray for us. We need to start applying for new missionary visas, and that is a stack of paperwork like this thick, and that's not an exaggeration. Um, And it's a lot of stress on me. 
I don't think it's a lot of stress on Betsy because she's like, oh, it'll get taken care of. Um, and Lord will provide. And the Lord does provide. But boy, is that a few weeks of me not sleeping very much trying to get that done. One last thing is all Church of God missionaries, and you know this, um, are 100% funded by other congregations. They have to go raise their money from congregations, individual small groups, and Sunday school classes. So pray that we find more partners so that we are able to return. Um, and if you individually or your Sunday school class or small group is thinking, man, I'd like to partner with a ministry, talk to us, and we can give you some information about us and about other Church of God missionaries. Most of our missionaries right now are having some financial issues as well. So we want to thank you for that. And thank you for the missionaries you partner with. You don't know this, but Dave and Barbara Miller that you've partnered with for a long time have been the mentors for Beth and I. Um, they're the ones that directed us to Brazil. They went and found our language school. They've come and visited us in Brazil twice. Um, there is no other missionary couple in the Church of God that has been more precious to us and more helpful to us than them. So thank you for partnering with them. We are so grateful for that. So this is the challenge I leave you with. As Beth said, God tells us, therefore, go and make disciples. And he doesn't say, therefore, Jonathan and Beth, go and make disciples. Or therefore, Pastor Neil, go and make disciples. He says to all of us, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And we don't know what that looks like for you or for a congregation or you individually. But God is giving you ministry opportunities that you might not even be aware of. And so we ask you to be praying for those and be looking for those. And when God gives you an opportunity to serve, jump at it and dive into it. Even if it's a little bit scary, it's okay. God has a plan for you for ministry. And it's going to be exciting and it's going to be so much fun.